Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel and this is the show where I get to have conversations with people in sports and in business and everything that happens in between. Today, my guest is David Marine. He is the Chief Marketing Officer at Caldwell Banker. David, how you doing today, man? Doing well, Michael. Good to see you. And compliments on the shirt. I just am disappointed that I did not wear my Alonzo one uh, for this interview. But yes. Yeah. Oh, man, I should have let you know. I, I would have. I mean, you, I can fill a couple minutes if you want to go put it on now. It's not a big deal, man. <laughs> That's all right. Let's we'll get to it. But uh, always like a pleasure it. to talk with another Mets fan. Yeah. I mean, how else are we supposed to commiserate together? Right. Exactly. Uh, if we don't know exactly. each other exists. Uh, we kind of have to do something. But no, very, very excited. Thank you for the compliment. The Mets are um, my favorite thing on planet Earth and they always let me down. So I don't know. Maybe it's a me thing, but we'll figure it, it out one of these it's days. It's an us thing no. for sure. Yeah, that's true. It's definitely an us thing. There's not just one of us, but very excited to have you on, David. Uh, very excited to talk about the sports partnerships within the real estate space. I think is it's interesting, right? It's not something that everyone kind of just assumes right off the bat, but the first sure. question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much? Oh man, sports. I love competition. Um, I love Actually, I love winning. I love winning more than, than, than the competition aspect. So, but sports has been part of my life since little league in second grade, and I wasn't any good at all. But uh, playing baseball from second grade all the way through uh, eighth grade, just in the little league stuff, was what gave me that love for sports. And I remember my parents when they started seeing me interested in baseball, they sprung for at the time the Sports Channel package uh, on cable to get. Fran Healy calling games for the Mets and we would watch that was a summertime thing every night seven o'clock and I would beg my parents to stay up later to see the end of the game this and that and that evolved into a love of not just baseball but then playing basketball and football and even in some soccer if you can believe that but uh, yes yeah, sports has always been a thing still is um, and I love talking sports with with anyone that I can. Hey, man, we can talk all the Mets you want uh, right now or afterwards. Doesn't matter to me. But I, I think it's, uh, you know, shout out to your parents for 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 figuring that out, that opportunity. It's funny how you say you had to spring for the sports package, right? I mean, I just think it's kind of included in cable. And if it's not, why the heck do you have cable anyway? Especially now. Yeah. Sincerely, why do you have cable if you're not watching live sports? There's really no reason anymore. So it's, it's, uh, it's funny how that stuff works out. I actually have to call Verizon today. Uh, they made my cable package go up. Um, oh. So, yeah, I'm going to have to do that. Thank you for reminding me. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're that. welcome. So with with that, I mean, just the what what are some of those things you've, you played sports for a long time? What are some of the things that you learned playing sports that then allowed you to just, I guess, become better at business or, or some of the skills and the attributes that you learned playing in within sports that you were able to take over to the business world? Well, that's a really good one. Uh, one of the things that I'm trying to instill this in, in my own kids, not not just with sports, but with kind of everything, is that if you want to get better at something, you have to work at it. And the idea that there's always someone out there who's working harder than you mm-hmm. was something that was motivating uh, to me specific to sports. And I think that, that translates over to the business side. And just anything you want to set your mind to in life in general is there has to be a willingness to dedicate time, sweat, effort, tears in order to be able to become the best or even just better at it. Uh, and I think that that's something that's true regardless of what you're playing or whatever line of business you're in. I love that. Those Padawans, man, they're going to be, they're going to be good one of these days. You're, you're, oh, you're yeah. right. I appreciate that. You got <laughs> Star you. Wars, they're Mets fans. I mean, they, yep. they're, they're, they're perfect. So um, Caldwell Banker, not a bank, 
Um, okay, that's good to know. So let let's let's move past that, and then I guess marketing in the real estate space. So you you've been with Caldwell Banker for a significant period of time now, correct? Eighteen years. Yes. Eighteen years. So it's a whole. You know, you can drive. You can no, you can't buy a pack of cigarettes here in New Jersey, but you've been doing a long a, a lot for a while. Yeah. What is? How do you? Like I know you you started the first YouTube page or, or one of the biggest YouTube pages that is, is is real estate centric. How do you innovate in an industry that has been around forever, right? Your your company's been around for over 100 years alone. Yeah, 114 so, years. How do you start to innovate something that feels like it's probably very ingrained? It's like, hey, we've been doing everything this long and it's been right. Like, why do we need to change now? Uh, that's one of the things that actually is... Uh ingrained into Coldwell Banker as a brand, one of our our core values is ingenuity. Because even from our inception, this idea of looking at how do we do things differently for the benefit of our customer, for the benefit Mm -hmm. of our business has been the core. So we were the first to actually guarantee services in writing, the first with a code of ethics, first to use seller's guarantee in real estate transactions, first with a website in 1997 to put listings online. First with mobile apps on iPhone, Android, iPad, social, and we talk about the YouTube channel. So that has all been a part of what the company has done as a whole. And I've had the benefit of being part of the brand for uh, a good time when a lot of that digital innovation was happening and got to be part of that from the likes of working on the, the mobile applications to the YouTube channel. And so that's been something we've always tried to push ourselves in. Uh, we entered a virtual world back in like 2006 and set up an office there just to see like, hey, is this something that might work, that might mm-hmm. be might be good? Uh, turned out at the time it didn't, but we were way ahead of our time because now it would be uh, a perfect thing to do. But I think that that's the idea of you have to have a leadership in place and a brand where that idea of continuing to pursue new ideas and betterment uh, is at the forefront of what you do. And every step of the way, I remember... Uh, Mike Fisher, who is uh, my counterpart, he's the CMO of the studio, which is an in-house agency that's part of a coal banker's company-owned side of the business. But he was the uh, head of marketing previously for the brand. He had, had my job. And I remember walking into his office the first week he was on the job and saying like, hey, what about mobile apps? What do you think about this? What do you, what do you think about this thing called Facebook? Should we start entering that? And he, his word to me was go, go do it. And Myself and another counterpart, Anna Vizioli, we we went to work and we got to do that. And that type of free range and empowerment to to pursue these things, whether it works or not, is really at the core of what has made Coldwell Banker continue to innovate and why ingenuity is so important to us. That is so much fun, right? Like being at the forefront yeah. of some of those things, having a, it's funny how you say we first have a website in 1997. It's like, that is a long time ago now. I mean, yeah. if you don't have a website, you're not really a business in, in, you know, 2020, but it's just funny how back then that was such a monumental thing. And it re- it really was. And you guys were really starting oh, yeah. to push the industry forward. I mean, at what do you ever, is there ever any ideas that's just like, whoa, that's just too much. We can't do that. Or is everything legitimately <laughs> put on the table? Like we have to at least look at this opportunity. Yeah, there is a lot that we've looked at um, that just haven't jumped in. And that doesn't mean that it's it's not something that's going to make sense. It just didn't make sense specifically for us. Mm-hmm. Like uh, if you think recently, this idea of like, what about TikTok? What should you do there? And what about Snapchat and all this stuff? And so there's been like, hey, let's look at it. But the big question when it comes to any of these 
innovations or pursuing something would be like, does it make sense for your brand? Does, does this feel like it's genuine and it's real and it's applicable to you? If not, then you kind of put that aside and say, hey, this is something we have to keep an eye on until it becomes a, like a necessity that we have to do it. But if you can keep to the core of who your brand is, what is your story, and then it matches and makes sense, that's when you know that you should continue to pursue it. I love that. And so what was it about YouTube that you did think especially? So tell us a story about, I guess, how that came yeah. up. But what was it about YouTube that you thought, yes, this is perfect. This is genuine. This is authentic to who we are as Coldwell Banker. Yeah, the the first YouTube uh, channel that we that we created that was really the first one in real estate where you could actually search for videos of homes for sale, actually come at came out of a situation much like the one that we're in right now, where it was an economic downturn in two thousand seven and two thousand eight. Uh, there were budget cuts, and uh, Mike Fisher, who I mentioned earlier, he put a challenge to the group and was like, "Hey, based on limited budget, what is a crazy idea of something that we would never ordinarily do?" we should think about doing now because of the world that we're in. And we came up with this idea of like, well, everybody loves watching real estate shows on television. HGTV was just coming into prominence at, at that time. It's like, what if there was a channel where we could let people see homes before they go and see homes? And we had seen a few agents here and there dabbling in video. Like, well, what if we give them a place where they can really showcase it and give them the ability to get these videos viewed? Uh, so we decided, like, let's let's explore this. Let's create a mechanism where they can upload videos of homes for sale about, and then videos about the community, videos about themselves, and people could kind of search for them online. And now that idea at the time was, like, so foreign. And how do we do this? How do we organize? How do we connect it? Who's going to see it? Who wants to watch these videos to where this is now the, the most common thing in the world? And especially in today where we're doing virtual open houses and virtual showings, I truly believe that that groundwork of laying a foundation of video being a core competency of what CoBanker does was started back then with our YouTube channel. Because then all of a sudden from there, everything that we did had a video component, whether it was internal communications aspect, promotions that we're sending out to consumers, events, all centered around video being this core competency. And I think that that has benefited us as a brand as a whole, but especially even today. Yeah, I love that. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan of video. As we can see, I think that's important, seeing people and reacting to them and, and having those opportunities to be able to engage with someone, I think, is very important and, and being able to see those houses, right? What is it? Um, picture says a thousand words. Well, what does 24 frames a second say? I mean, it says a lot and you, you can get a lot out of a video. What was it like learning that entire process? What was it like learning about how does YouTube work? What do you need to do? What are some of the right and the wrong things? I mean, just the video production aspect of it was probably not the easiest thing to just kind of, hey, now now we create video. Like, how, how do you learn and go about doing all that, especially during, uh, you know, a pretty big economic downturn, as you said? Yeah, the key was finding the right partners to help us do that and then just mobilizing our network of 94,000 agents across the globe to go out and make mistakes and do it, do it themselves and try things out. Uh, we now all carry around video cameras in our pockets and it's kind of a common thing to do. But at the time it was like, oh, well, how do I have to get everything set up and I have to get it perfect? And I used to tell uh, people all the time when trying to encourage them to use video was that your first video is going to look awful. And that's okay because having an awful video is better than having no video. 
And it was like, well, I don't like the way I look on camera. And I used to joke and tell people, I'm sorry, I hate to tell you, but that's how you look. Like <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna meet you at some point anyway, right? You, that's that's how people see you, and you may not like it, but there needs to be a comfort level there. And we broke down those barriers. Um, and then we started to say, focus, like, let's get videos out there, but now let's enhance our production. Let's figure out how can we do things a little bit more unique and differently and what, what videos need to be special versus ones that we can just do a run and gun. And I think you still see some of that groundwork even today where we've continued to enhance even our internal communications videos of, that are now being done out of our, our director of communications home and just giving these weekly updates to our videos promoting events, which are much more highly produced and obviously our campaign stuff. So it, it runs the gamut. And what we found is that if you know the message that you want to deliver, then you can figure out whether the, what type of range of quality aspect you want to do, whether it needs to be highly produced or whatever. But as long as that message is consistent and it matches the brand, then the different aspects and the ways that you're approaching video uh, doesn't matter because you've got the biggest part right. And that mm -hmm. is the messaging is is in tune with your brand. Yes, we're telling that story. You're telling the story of the agents, the Cobalt Banker is telling the story of the, the, the property itself, obviously. And I think that's, again, you can, people love to see something, especially like that. And they can say, oh, I can see myself and my kids. They're sitting down yeah. at this kitchen table and it's beautiful and it's a gorgeous sunny day. Or maybe you're down at the beach and it's raining and that sandwich just tastes so good. I don't know what it is. But, um, <laughs> but I'll tell you what, that's what, you brought up a good point because I like to talk about how, especially when uh, talking to consumers, we're holding up a mirror to them. Uh, this is how they see home, and this is the way that we see it too. And both from the the, the rational side of things as well as the emotional side of things. Mm -hmm. So getting people to make that connection uh, is, is key. And video, I think, allows us to do that better than anything else. Yeah, yeah. Especially, I mean, I'm sorry. I, I don't know if I'm insulting your entire industry here, but those fisheye cameras that they take pictures and it looks like this room is like 9,000 feet by 9,000 feet. And you yeah. get there, it's like, this is like 10 by 12. I can't fit a couch in this room. I hate those right. pictures. We're starting to look at houses now and I'm just like, this is, you, you can't really judge any of it on a video. At least you have that opportunity to potentially legitimately walk through the house first. And I think that that part is Absolutely. pretty important. So maybe that's just a me thing. I, I, I don't know, but it is what it is. And so, yeah. With um with that, I mean, so video is, is very important to what you guys have been doing for the last 13 years, it sounds like 12, 13 mm -hmm. years. And now again, is it's very important in the, um you know, we can't really leave our house stages. People are buying a lot of houses now. A lot of people, unfortunately, are leaving the, the vibrant cities and moving out to the suburbs to get away from the mass amounts of people. So it, it is what it is. But moving on and past the video aspect, and I'm sure we'll still incorporate it a little bit, how, so there's, you've had some sport partnerships that you've been very, very important in and, um, have really had your fingerprints all over. So you've worked with the MLB. You're currently mm -hmm. working with the NBA, the NCAA on March Madness, or what would have been March Madness. What is it, just in general, What? why do sports partnerships, why are they genuine and authentic to what you guys at Caldwell Banker are trying to achieve? Well, typically it comes down to, we start with audience. And where is this audience and has it matched the audience that we're trying to reach? And then also, what are the similarities and the connections between the brands? We never want to enter partnerships where our brands don't align uh, because then it, it just doesn't feel feel genuine, doesn't feel right. So whether it was MLB or March Madness or even now with our advertising on, on NBA playoffs, it has always come down to first and foremost, is this the right audience that we, that we want to talk to? And nine times out of 10, it's yes. 
And what I also love about sports from a strictly media and a marketing perspective is it is one of the last bastions of live programming that people are tuning into and watching and they're not recording them and fast forwarding and watching later. So it, it gives a captive audience and a connection to something that people are ordinarily passionate about too. And you're maybe interested from a fantasy aspect, maybe interested because you have money on the game, you may be interested because you're a fan of the team, but there is definitely that audience is in tune and that is a captive audience to be able to reach that uh, at scale for a brand like ours. So it's always been like a good fit from an audience standpoint. For the last couple of years with March Madness, it also works in our favor from um, a seasonality aspect because the spring buying season is typically where real estate uh, brands and agents when they want to have their name out there as people start to get ready for that spring selling season. So that March and April timeframe has been perfect for us. And I also love to tell that it's the only sporting event that lasts an entire month of engaged users, of engaged consumers to be able to, to connect with uh, versus where if you're advertising on just the Oscars, it's one night, w one moment right then there. Uh, if you're on a seven game series, it's at the most seven games. This is a full month that's covering the entire country and everybody has an interest in. So that's been a great uh, benefit for us. It is incredible, man. March Madness, especially that first weekend, oh. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, where you have games starting. So at 12. Good. They don't end till one in the morning. And everybody, let's be honest, nobody's doing work that weekend. We all looking at our brackets. It's just no for the last fun. like decade i've taken off the first no day of the you, um the NCAA tournament usually get together with a buddy comes over my house to go over his or whatever and we would just watch games and so i've enjoyed and it's part of the interest of our advertising on the nba playoffs this year is because it has a very yeah. march madness mm -hmm. feel with games starting at like 1 p.m 4 7 and then 10 or whatever it is uh and it gives that feel it's back to back to back and it just has an engaged audience that people are especially today we're mm -hmm. craving those live sports because they've been gone for so long um that we're already seeing that audiences to watch the nba is up 30 yep. percent year over year which which makes sense and as now the playoffs just kicked off this past week and continue on through september that i expect that audience to be able to grow so it's a great venue for us to be able to advertise our brand connect with the right audience at the right time and I think it is really interesting. I think, you know, you, you make a great point. I mean, it's, we're all stuck at home. So everybody's kind of, you know, you can have the game yeah. on in the background. I could do work and have the game on in the background. It's not a big deal. It's fun. For but sure. Taking off that first day of March Madness, man, that is just a power move. Good for you, dude. I, I might have to implement that into my schedule moving forward. Just say, you know, I, you I'll do. even take the Friday off for you. How's that sound? You, I have even talked about when we've had like different events of like, oh, we're going to do this conference blah blah and i'm like hold on did you know we are going to be in vegas for the first weekend of the ncaa tournament so that is that is really an interesting thing that could increase attendance at this event uh or you know what do we need to get home in time for that for those mm -hmm. first round games that are happening on thursday but yes for any uh college basketball fan those first first weekend mm -hmm. of march madness games are possibly the single greatest uh sports thing to enjoy versus a game seven of the mm -hmm. finals. Yes, I, I would probably agree because they're all game seven, right? That's yeah. the coolest part. Every that's single right. one's game seven, whoever wins, that's it, you're gone. Uh, so I do love that. So, but um, with that, so you said the audiences that I, I think it's really interesting. So you said, you are is this the audience that we're trying to engage with? But mm -hmm. if we look at it demographics wise, the, the MLB audience is different from the NBA audience, which is 
a little less different from the NCAA to March Madness audience. That's a lot of different people within that bracket. As we know, the, the MLB skews uh, very white and very old, essentially. You know, it's a bunch of 50-year-old guys that are hanging mm-hmm. out and they love hot dogs and beer like me. Like, what's wrong with that? But obviously, then the NBA audience is going to be significantly different than that. It's going to skew a lot more towards African-Americans. So what is it about? I mean, give me a little insight on how, you know, these are all of these audiences. I mean, obviously you're selling homes, so everybody needs a house at some point. Right. But I guess what is it specifically within these audiences that you guys are really, how is the messaging different or similar when really trying to tell the same story? Yeah. So what's crazy about sports audiences is that the, there's a perspective of what they are. And then there's actually, Hey, but the numbers say this. So at the time when we were working with MLB, it was actually the most uh, female viewership of any sport that was was out there. Very surprising. Yeah. It was surprising to us as well. So it was, Hey, we can hit a live audience at scale, which skews the most female at that point in time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these metrics change and come and go over time as well. But from the, like, looking at March Madness, it also speaks to the seasonality of it, which we covered early. And so then, therefore, it makes even more sense being at that uh, audience and the idea of being able to tackle a broadcast audience as well as a digital audience because of the streaming of March Madness through the early rounds and the higher viewership on broadcast through uh, the Sweet 16 through the Final Four that makes sense. That offers a nice balance of opportunity between Mm -hmm. hitting a digital and a broadcast. And then the NBA to us, I mean, especially in this past year, one, it was one of the only games in town, pun intended, uh, to be able to advertise on at this time as we're seeing what is now potentially a second spring season. It's just being pushed back. It really didn't have it with the shelter in place stuff earlier this year. So it's now taking place uh, later. It's one of the most diverse audiences, but it indexes highly against current in-market buyers and sellers, where one stat uh, I saw was about they're they're conducting about 24 million home searches a month, that audience. And also indexes higher against people in real estate too, uh, which is always interesting, you know, real estate agents are always considering should they make a move to to another brand. So from that aspect, it really hit uh, the right targets that we're trying to reach, especially in this crazy environment, which we're, we're in. Yes, crazy to say the least, but we're all enjoying ourselves, hopefully. Yes, um, hopefully. Fun. I get to have all these great conversations with people like you today. David Marine CMO of Caldwell Banker, really appreciate you coming on. So with that, how how do these partnerships develop? Right. The first one was MLB. You guys currently are not working with them anymore. You have NBA and, and obviously the NCAA, March Madness and all that. How how do these come about is this a random i feel like this isn't someone from the mlb just being like hey david i work for the mlb do you guys want to work <laughs> together like how do those conversations how long do they take and how intensive are these negotiations when understanding hey you're trying to get something out of it they're trying to get money out of it and an authentic partner what are what are some of these like super super high level partnerships like yeah it really stems from what makes sense First for our brand. Mm-hmm. So does it does this feel right? Does this feel like Coldwell Banker or not? I mean, while we do get random emails and calls from from some of these places from time to time, whether it's teams or wherever. I'm sure uh, I've that. Don't worry. It often is starting from internally looking at, hey, who's the target that we're trying to reach? And then what is makes the most sense, even from a media perspective, first mm-hmm. and foremost. And then looking beyond that, like, is there more than just buying an ad here that makes sense? Uh, 
And sometimes it's working directly with the league. Sometimes it's through their media uh, channel partners. Uh, but then we're looking at, we never want to just run an ad somewhere. That's one of the things uh, is how do we make this a campaign? How do we make this something that is beyond just an ad on television? Does it feel right? And that can be parlayed into what is our messaging in the actual advertisement. Does that connect directly to this? Is it beyond that we can do digital, social aspects, uh, in-person things that really make a connection to it? And, and so that all plays into whether this makes makes sense or not. And, and nine times out of 10, it's, it's happening with our agency partners, with our internal organization and, and saying like, hey, does this feel right? And then let's vet this. And then from an audience perspective, does it do all the numbers add up? And then we pursue it and look at, all right, does this make sense financially? Does it make sense from a KPI perspective, from an audience? How's our network going to feel about this as well as the audience that we're going to reach? So all that plays into the equation. So um, I don't know that I could really put a time frame on it, but there's, I also am a big believer in ownable elements for a brand. So I love having something that says this is connected with Cold Banker, they own this, They're and I can make that connection. Um, and I can point to it and say, when you go here, you will find us. While there's also media savants that will say, well, hey, there's different ways you can do this from a scatter market and buying on, on advertising and more programmatic stuff. But I still think that the idea of your brand being connected with another brand where they both make sense has more power to it that sometimes the numbers uh, don't play out, but in actuality, it's more valuable. Yeah, I, I do think that that, that long-term, as we've been saying a lot, authentic, genuine connection will bring a lot more, you know, hopefully sales, right? That's what, that's what yeah. we're trying to do. Awareness and sales. That's what kind of what we were trying to drive here. People need to know who you are. Then once they know who you are, they can utilize your services. And if they watch a lot of baseball, they're going to at some point know who the heck you are. And as you said, if the numbers work out the way they work out, as you've been saying in terms of the audience and the demographic, that is going to lead to more sales in some capacity, um, yeah. which I think is the important part, right? I think that's the very important part. So how do you, is it, is it that easy measuring success? Is it, Hey, did we sell more, <laughs> did we sell more houses in this market? Like how, how do you go about saying, okay, our brand is connected to the MLB. Our brand is connected to the NBA. How do you then measure, I guess, what that connection level is and, and how much success you're having? Yeah, one, there's a couple of different layers to of it. Course. And uh, the idea is we're always looking from a media perspective. Are we getting value for it? Um, for what we paid, are we getting the right audience targeting? Is it producing the right traffic results that we're expecting from it? What's the efficiencies of it? So that's kind of a baseline. The secondary aspect, which is harder and as someone who's, a caretaker for a brand is, is it helping with our brand, not only awareness, but perception uh, and consideration that after seeing this, and there's so many different things that play into that is that it's the messaging that we're delivering through this. It's the venue in which they're seeing it. And then is it the right person who's seeing it at the right time? And all those things need to be aligned. So I'm a big believer in doing research and how is it performing? So we do research on our creative side, say, is this creative messaging working? What is the perception of it? Is, what's the likability? How does it stack against our competitors? And then beyond that, looking at, okay, follow-up. Who has seen the ad? What was their connection to it? What was, are they remembering that it was us? Uh, what do they perceive of Coal Banker after seeing that ad? And even within our own network, we'll conduct research within and then within the industry. So like, where, where do you perceive Coal Banker to be? And then we kind of stack up year after year. It's not one of those things 
sadly, where it's like, oh, I can see the performance of this click-through rate and then make an adjustment on the fly, but knowing that you're building on something over time and I'm fortunate enough to uh, be in charge of a brand that's been around for 114 years that has that connection and established name that I don't have to build something from scratch, but I need to continue to build on what has already been laid in that foundation uh, and make sure that I continue to keep Cobalt Banker relevant and at the forefront of people's mind when they're thinking of buying or selling a home. And I love it. And you've been, again, you know, I'm obviously love sports, um, you know, so it, it's, it's pretty easy for me to say this is great stuff, but I mean, outside. So no, let's, let's stick with this still for a, for a couple seconds. So with, you know, the M- MLB, you said you guys had a really great relationship, just not, you know, after time happens, things happen, not, not with them anymore. You are working with the NBA a lot more NCAA. We're going to have to wait until, you know, March, hopefully crossing our fingers. Yes. Fingers crossed. Yes. yes. Very much. So I can't have two years without March madness. I thought one was bad enough. Um, with with that being said, what are some of the things that you did with the MLB? You said it was a successful campaign, and now that means mm-hmm. people connect you and they see the the right person at the right time in the right place. What were some of the things you were doing? Because I know uh, reading a couple articles, video was very important within that as well. Yeah. So what outside of the, the media buys that, that are, are nece- a necessity, what were some of those innovative and new things that you guys were working on with the MLB? And I'm assuming uh, you're working on with the M- uh, the NBA as well that were very successful to to bring your brands together. Yeah, with MLB, it was really around, uh, can we create some interesting video content that can connect the MLB brand with the Cole Banker brand and some of its star players? So we, um, we called it Home Field Advantage Program. We took people inside the homes of some of baseball's latest stars, likes of CC Sabathia um, and others. I think we claim to fame is we had the first video interview of Chris Bryant when he was called up to the Cubs. Very cool. Uh, it was actually, we, we knew he wasn't starting the year with the Cubs. He was going to be in the minor leagues, but we recorded one anyway, and we just held mm-hmm. it until he got called up. Uh, we launched it on the day he was going to play his first game it crashed our servers because there was awesome. so much uh, traffic from MLB. I remember the team freaking out, like, oh, my goodness, what are we doing? I'm like, we crashed our servers. We did it. This, we, this is exactly what we wanted. Great. Check. Success. Um, but the, the the marriage of combination or of content, interesting content with the brand connected around home, which is very important to us, but that that emotional and rational side of it was really what made that a winning campaign and that connection for us. And the fact that we picked and chose teams and players who either lived in or are associated with teams in certain markets where we had large presence and were able to kind of make that connection directly that uh, on a regional aspect, because MLB is much more of a regional um, fan base than, than a national fan base with what you see from even March Madness and the NBA. So this is really our first foray into advertising on, on NBA games. Um, so we're, we're exploring that this year from the March Madness perspective. We always look at how do we make the connection beyond the games? We've done things where for years it was called the bracket of affordability, where it was we filled out the NCAA tournament bracket based on the most affordable home markets where these colleges were located and uh, to see who would win, Syracuse was always a good one to to make it very far. Uh, same with um, Arkansas Little Rock or Arkansas Pine Bluff, very affordable markets to make it pretty far in the tournament. Uh, even Duke would would make it decently far, not so much for St. Mary's 
um, in California. That mm-hmm. was that was they always got knocked down the first round. It comes to affordability, Stanford too, they would yeah. be knocked out. Mm. Uh, but how do we make those connections with what we're doing from an advertising perspective to make it feel more rounded and uh, a more holistic thing than than just running an ad? That is cool. Let's go Duke, by the way. I really like that. Um, that must no. Been, no? Oh, are yeah. you a UNC no. fan? Uh, no, uh, I'm an Arizona Wildcats fan for no other reason than I was born out there. But um, I run a, for 20 years, I've run a uh, online bracket challenge called the Marine Bracket Challenge. And the slogan is anybody but Duke. Love it. Oh, that's awesome. Good stuff, man. Yeah, it's kind of cool. So being a Mets fan, obviously, uh, not much happiness in my life. So I had to find a winner on the other side. I had to find a winner. And I'm not a front runner. It's a whole story. My mom's cousins went there. I was six. The TV was on. I was like, oh, that's sure. cool. Um, so, but yeah, it worked out. Uh, six-year-old Mike made a pretty good yeah. choice there. I'm not, I'm not angry about some winning. Good for you. I'm not angry about that one, but come on. Mets fan to Mets fan. You got to give me a little bit of happiness, I think. I understand. I, understand. I do like Thankfully, that. I'm a Giants fan on football oh, and not do. a Jets fan. So, yep, yeah, we do. I had some winning A little extra there, which is always nice. Um, but yeah, I kind of like being a Duke fan. I feel like it's like what the Patriots feel like. Like everybody hates you, but sure. most of the time you still win anyway. So joke's not yeah, that. But there's, that's, there's a, no that's another conversation. And so, as you said, MLB, very regionally based sport. So it's actually probably, it was probably very easy to kind of go into those regions and understand again, who, where, when, why, how. With the mm-hmm. NBA, with it being very, and you say nationally driven, which is true because I think it's much more player driven, right? I'm going to watch LeBron because I like LeBron and that's who I want to win. I couldn't care less what team he's on. He could be on the Bucks. He could be on the Grizzlies. I, I don't care. I just want LeBron to win. How have you guys been able to take advantage of that? Because I feel like, again, on that national scale, you have that opportunity, but then you even still have that regional aspect depending. And then especially with these players now switching teams, what feels like every other year, could probably play right into your hand a little bit there too so how do you kind of view that especially compared to what you were doing with the mlb yeah this is really step one baby steps okay. with the oh, with sorry. the nba <laughs> so we haven't and and this being such a bizarre yeah. year and accelerated even nba schedule with the playoffs uh but really what was a big selling point this year specifically with the nba was the fact that it was going directly to the nba playoffs where that is the ability to advertise on playoff level sports is a huge, it's a huge mm-hmm. advantage because you know, you're getting even the casual fan to tune in and even the non-casual fan is going to tune in. And because of the different uh, personality players and whether it's Giannis or LeBron or Damian Lillard, who is just now taking over the NBA, mm-hmm. like when did Damian Lillard become Steph Curry is my question. It's like all of a sudden he's pulling up from the logo and like, mm-hmm popping threes at, at, at any given point in time. But that draws attention as well, because you're right. My, my kids don't really follow a specific team. Mm-hmm. Like, like, Hey, yeah, daddy used to go to Nets games all the time at the Meadowlands, but they, they don't care about that anymore. They want to see like, Oh, what's Russell Westbrook doing with James Harden? What are these guys uh, going to do each and every night? So that gives us additional interest where it isn't even necessarily tied to a specific team being in it. Like it used to be like, Oh, we need a Boston or a New York team Mm -hmm. and an LA team in order to create that, that interest. But no, you'll tune in to watch, you know, the Pelicans because of Zion Williams, not anymore because they're not in it, but you will tune in to see what is Damian Lillard going to do next. And all of a sudden TJ Warren with the Pacers, you like, I will watch Pacers heat just because I want to see mm-hmm. what's going to go on between him and Jimmy Butler. So I think that additional 
element adds to the interest from a viewership standpoint and helping us even reach a bigger audience than may have even been expected. Yeah, and I think it's it's been a lot of fun so far these last couple of weeks. I mean, hockey too. I know you guys don't get into too much hockey, but I love yeah. NHL playoffs. It's the same thing, just hyper intensive. And and with you know, it sounds like one thing that I tried to do, and it sounds like you guys are doing it just on another level, is take advantage of a not so great situation. Obviously, I am not happy that the world is on lockdown. Obviously, I'm not happy that people are getting sick and dying, and it's unfortunate. But at the same time, I said, well, how, how can I make the situation better? And that's allowed me, again, to have so many conversations with people like yourself, uh, our good friend David Cerrotti, who put us in contact together, right? So right. How, how have you been able to take advantage of these partnerships and understanding, hey, like, this isn't a great spot we're in, but what else can we do? How can we, you know, with the NBA, obviously, you've been able to jump right in and say, hey, we're advertising within the playoffs now. How else, as you said, you want to try and build an entire campaign, though, can't really do all that when everyone's stuck at home, right? So what else are you guys doing to try and take advantage of this situation with the NBA and saying, hey, like we can advertise here, which is great. But what else can we do to take this above and beyond to turn this into a true campaign and a true partnership? Yeah, you know, I did I did another interview where someone asked, like, how long did it take to develop this plan, this this campaign? And I, I got to tell him, like, this is something we've been working on since April and May. Like, oh, wow. when okay. when um, the downturn happened, everybody was shut, sh- shut down, shelter in place. I, I had a meeting with my team and it was just a big idea meeting. And it was like, let's throw we're throwing everything out the window this year. Give me whatever you got. And there was some different uh, like thoughts about what if we did this and what if we did this? Kind of, I'm seeing this going on with this industry. What if we did that as well? And one of the lines that uh, I love that came out of this was uh, we can pave the road to recovery with consumer messaging so that when we come out of it, our agents across the, the world are ready to rule the recovery. Because if we're waiting for the recovery to happen to do something, I don't know when that is. And I don't know that anyone's going to be able to pinpoint it until they're like, oh, yeah, recovery was back in that day. Yeah. yeah. So what we had set out to do was, OK, how do we continue to create consumer touch points, messaging that our network can use, that we can share ourselves, whether it's socially uh, online or through video or whatever, that can kind of lay that groundwork leading up to when we feel that the timing is is getting right and come out with a larger campaign. And part of that, and the reason why we're, we're even on the NBA now is because we had developed a message of a campaign that we call All We Have, which really talked about the celebration of the greatest destination on earth, which is home. And that even amidst this year, while we're sick of being at home and we want to be out, we don't want to be told we can't go here, there and everywhere. And we can't watch sports in person. Home's still the place that we want to come back to Mm -hmm. at some point in time. And it's the place that's kept us and our loved ones safe. Um, And our CEO, Ryan Gorman, he used the line the other day where he's like, 2020 is the year of home. Like whether we like it or not, it is. And so we thought that we had an interesting message that we could share and using consumer generated videos along with videos from our network, put together the story about, yeah, we're, we're sick of being home. And as we start to go out into the world and as things start to eventually change, let's take a, a, a minute and appreciate that home has kept us safe. And when home is all you have, you still have a whole lot. I like that. Very uplifting, very positive. Let's good. Let's ride that chain a little bit more because I do agree. I mean, right? Like it's, it's, I am, I 
really like my apartment, but man, I don't want to be here anymore. I'm kind of tired of it at this point. I've been staring at these walls forever now, it feels like. But it's so true, right? That's that's how we're staying safe. It's how we're staying, you know, close to our loved ones, of course, too, which I think is very important. And it's, I think that's a great message to push across. I think that is pretty cool. So, yeah, so far, David, oh, yeah, keep going. No, we're uh, and we've been really uh, pleased with there's life goes on amidst all of this, which has been really crazy because I remember uh, in May, I think it was in May or end of April, my next door neighbor put their house up for sale. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what are, what are they doing? Are they crazy? Like they don't want people coming through. How are they can do all this, but this the life, the situation that they were in, they needed to move. And they, Hey, there's all these other stuff we got to do and hoops we got to jump through, but life moves on and they need to move. And we, we find this time and time again, no matter what year that people are moving for lifestyle decisions. Mm-hmm. whether it's they need more space, they need less space, they need a better location, and that's still happening today. And so we thought that, you know what, even when a downturn comes, the smartest marketers know that you don't stop advertising. And so we felt that it was important for us to continue to lead and have that voice of leadership within our industry and with consumers, even specific to something like real estate, uh, to show that amidst all that's going on, this there's still life goes on and we can still celebrate you know, the place that, that we all love called home. Yeah. Yeah. Depending no matter where that is. But I have to ask, did, did they put their house on the market with Colwell Banker? Uh, that they did. And they oh, got the good. nicest, newest yard sign in their yard. And I'll even tell you, it's sold in uh, two weeks. So at asking price. So, yes. There we go. All right. See? Good to have good neighbors. I like that. Right. Um, so so switching gears here for just a couple more minutes. I uh, really sure. do appreciate again, David Marine, CMO of Caldwell Banker. One thing that I noticed that um, you got, again, this we're, we're all about storytelling and marketing. You really want to get that picture, that point across, get people to vision, envision what is going on and why it's going on. And again, hitting them when, where, how, why in the right spot. One thing that I thought you guys do that's pretty cool. Um, you had a, a whole article on some former athletes that become real estate agents and and really what you know why what drove them to become real estate agents and why they've become successful real estate agents as well which i think is pretty important so on that i think one of them uh gentleman was a new jersey devil which is pretty cool uh one of the ladies she played soccer at ohio state which is pretty interesting like what is it about athletes that make them good real estate agents yeah i mean we've had players from major league baseball nfl hockey like every every so often we're just like hey did you know that this person is is an agent in minnesota and i was like no way that's crazy but yeah there's definitely a connection especially in the sales industry because as you probably know if you've ever worked with a real estate agent it's got to be someone who one you can connect with Mm -hmm. two that has connections that they're able to get buyers um, be able to talk with other agents, be able to have them work together uh, uh, to conduct a transaction. And I think when you're an athlete, you've made those connections, especially if you're a pro athlete. At some point mm-hmm. in time, you've had connections, whether it's with uh, agents, through teammates, through other organizations. And all of a sudden, your, for lack of a better term, Rolodex or your your contact list on your, your phone is pretty big where you have the ability to make those connections. And all of a sudden, Hey, if you get licensed, you're able to like help a lot of different people out. And sometimes these athletes have moved often enough that they've been through this real estate process mm-hmm. several times and there's now familiarity with it or looking at it from an investment standpoint. 
it's been a sound investment for them. So why not get involved in it there? So I think that that's, that's one aspect, but also the type of personality of an athlete, that self-starter, that drive mentality, it, it lends itself towards an entrepreneurial profession, uh, which is what we talk about our real estate agents being all the time, that they're running their own businesses every single day. I love that. And how do you take advantage of those stories, right? Like, again, I saw a couple of the articles posted up online. You as the marketer, how how heavy do you lean in? I mean, it's let's be honest, it's not like Tom Brady is you know going to be like, hey, I want to be a real estate agent today. But right. still, some of those athletes are, are pretty cool playing at very high, high levels of sports. Like, how do you as a marketer try and get the point across to the people, at least in that region, to say, hey, like, this is this is fun. This is cool. This guy, as you said, is is, is a self starter and he's trying to help, but also you know, he's done X, Y, and Z along the way too. Yeah, these connections really are the most beneficial at the local level with the local mm-hmm. companies yeah. and okay. and offices of being able to tell that story of like, hey, this person chose to join our company and our brand, and there is some some cachet that comes with mm-hmm. that as well. Uh, but what's what's interesting within real estate, it's even beyond just the fame of an athlete, is that agents want to be associated with companies that have winners on them, right? Whether so, whether you are a winner as a, as an athlete or you are a high performer in business and real estate, and they're like, you know what, so and so is with Cole Banker, and I, you know what, they're selling these types of homes, and I want to sell those types of homes someday. I want to go with them, and I want to learn from them, and be able to be part of. An organization that touts that, and I think that's one of the beauties of the the network of Cole Banker is that uh, we like to talk about home is one of our core values as well, and that we're home to some of the most successful agents and successful companies within real estate across the globe. Whether you're looking to connect with Jade Mills, a top agent in the Cole Banker network out of Beverly Hills, or you want to connect with our operator out of France, Laurent. Or you know what? I really need some insight on how to sell new condos, and we've got people who can be experts and help out uh, in any of those areas. So whether it's being associated with a, a top athlete who is a Super Bowl winner, to connecting with someone who's at the top of their game now within the real estate spectrum, I mean, the call banker offers that opportunity, and and people are drawn to it. And they also offer you, David, and we appreciate <laughs> you here today. Whatever man. that's worth. Yeah. <laughs> yes, whatever it's worth. I think you're doing a pretty darn good job, man. At least I've been having a lot of fun today. But yeah, that's, that's about it for me, man. Thank you so much. Where can everybody find you online? You're personally uh, or, or, and or the businesses as well. Yeah, well, at Coldwell Banker is where you can find any of our social channels there. And uh, you can find me tweeting about the Mets, Star Wars, or... Uh, you know, any Marvel movies yeah. at, at David underscore Marine on Twitter. So love it. You're going to, I'm you're at least got one more follow, man. I can promise yeah. you that David <laughs> Marine CMO of Caldwell Banker. Really appreciate your time today, man. Thanks so much, Michael.